Hello, everybody, and welcome to the September 16, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, today the U.S. Senate held a hearing on COVID-19, and there was CDC director, but oddly underplayed figure in this controversy, or in this pandemic, Robert Redfield. I would love to sit here and say, oh my god, here's every bad thing Robert Redfield has done. In truth, the guy's got almost no controversies on him. I say almost because in the early 90s, uh, he was involved with a group trying to make an HIV vaccine, while at the same time being involved with a group of evangelical Christians who more or less had the very typical at the time right-wing view on how to stop HIV. Just don't have sex until marriage and everything will be okay. Then, of course, all, all these women did wait until marriage and they got it anyway because their husbands were going out having affairs. But, no, you know what? They don't count. They don't count. They don't count. Okay? They don't. If you personally don't, you will never get HIV. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of silliness in... That movement. But with that said, here's what he said to the Senate. Let's listen. Cliff Converter seems to be coming down with a bad case of coronavirus, uh, and that's why it's just not working anymore. So I'm just going to have to read it out to you until I find a new uh, video downloader. If you have a new video downloader you want me to use, please email me at peacefulglobalsreview at gmail.com, the peacefulglobalsreview at gmail.com, the name of the show at gmail.com, and it will go into my spam folder and I will never use it. Uh, <laughs> I should note a, a couple of things before I really get started the substance of what he says. His whole thing is how effective face masks are. Now, how effective are masks, all things considered? Uh, the answer is, to a point, very. To a point, very. You guys remember early on, they were actually trying to stockpile them for medical professionals. Now, mind you, also those medical professionals were wearing, like, full-on hazmat suits. And they had, or at the very least, they had also gloves on and tons of other things. And there are a million and a half ways, by the way, wearing a mask can go wrong. Mr. Enter talks about this in his documentary, How the World Ended, which you really need to see. It's free on YouTube. Just look it up, How the World Ended. So he is right when he says masks are effective, and I do not dispute that. They really are. But who are they effective for? Well, primarily, masks have been, and this is what Fauci was actually saying at the start, why he said, and you occasionally see this clip, Fauci said masks don't work. And they always leave in the part at the end where he says, don't use one unless you're showing symptoms. Because the point of the mask was never to stop you from getting it, it was to stop you from spreading it. Okay, the fact is, those that spit droplets that you have, those can enter people's bodies through more than just their mouth and their nose. They can enter through their tear ducts if they want to, for example. Not, well, they don't really have a choice, but you guys see my point. And improper mask use can actually be fairly dangerous, assuming you are also infected in the part of your body you are using the mask improperly on, or if you're just using it wrong in general. There are a million and a half ways it can go wrong uh, regarding using masks for people who don't wear it over their nose, which is still a thing despite the fact this pandemic's been going on for so long. I remember you to start, I forget if it was Mike DeWine or Chuck Schumer, one of those two was wearing, like, a circular mask that didn't even cover their full mouth. It was like a weird egg mask. But anyway, let's actually look at what 
Robert Redfield had to say. These face masks are important, Power powerful public health tools we have. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. So here's my question, Mr. Redfield, and this is a serious, serious question to you. If that's the case, if these masks are more effective, and by the way, this is not him trying to stoke fear. A lot of people are saying it's him trying to stoke fear. Not sure how it's stoking fear to hear that the solution to a problem is right in front of you. Is it stoking fear for a doctor to tell you your cancer can be cured with chemotherapy? No, it isn't. However, I have to ask Director Renfield, as well as Fauci, as well as DeWine, as well as Newsom, as well as Garcia, as well as uh, Winton, Winthouse, or whatever the Michigan governor's name is. I just have this one question for you. Then what the hell's been the point of the lockdowns? What has been the point of the stay-at-home orders? What has been the point of the social distancing of all these things that many states require, require, if actually the best protection, the bubble shield, if you will, is a mask, which you can easily get right now. Why can we not then reopen everything, which is what some states are starting to do, and make it so you just need to wear a mask to go out in, in a few places? I'm being dead serious. Why not just recreate that? Why not just do that? And you might be thinking, oh, Efron, you're hyping up how effective masks are. Well, they hyped up how effective a vaccine was to the point where they allowed it to skip important rounds of safety testing. Well, this guy is going from the U.S. Senate. Donald Trump said earlier this week that he thinks a vaccine will coincidentally be done before the election. And by the way, Democrats are anti-vaxxers for believing that a coronavirus vaccine, which has never been developed before, there has never been another strain of the coronavirus that has gotten a vaccine. And may I remind you, the common cold is a strain of the coronavirus. And the fastest vaccine ever developed, I've said in the past it's the mumps or the measles vaccine. It's actually uh, the mumps vaccine, if I'm not mistaken. Took four years to develop, but we're going to create a vaccine in less than a year? Really? 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 No, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. And what we are going to see, by the way, as the election becomes closer and closer, is this removal from this magic COVID vaccine rhetoric. And what we're seeing right now is kind of the start of that, this idea that actually masks work better than vaccines. Donald Trump does want there to be a COVID vaccine so he can take credit for it, but he's increasingly realizing that's just not going to happen. The main reason it's just not going to happen is primarily because, well, it's scientifically impossible as of right now. You're creating something new from scratch in such a short period of time. We are letting it skip, as I just said, important rounds of safety testing. Purely for the purpose of making Donald Trump look good. And so, what I am seeing with this quote is not necessarily what everybody else is seeing about the contradiction on masks. Because there wasn't really a big contradiction. There wasn't. It was when you're out and when there are stay-at-home orders put in place, you don't really need to stockpile them. Now it's, there aren't stay-at-home orders in place all that much anymore. You can wear one now.
You can stockpile them now if you want. We have enough. And so on and so on and so on. Uh, but I would like to point out this sort of removal from the religious or magical element of what a vaccine was supposed to do. That was what they were saying. When a vaccine is created, we can reopen the economy. As if, by the way, vaccines are the only form of treatment. As if we don't have any other way to treat an illness besides a vaccination. And so on, and so on, and so on. And as the election gets closer and closer, we'll be hearing less and less about the possibility of a COVID-19 vaccine. We will. I believe that firmly. At the Or, or for that matter, if we do hear about one, it's going to be incredibly rushed and incredibly dangerous. I'll let you pick which one. Which one do you guys think will happen? I'm, I'm leaning towards, we're just going to stop hearing about it, truth be told. And just one day, the CDC is going to quietly admit that there was no possibility of ever making one. And that the current ones are dangerous, or ones are going to come out and they're going to be very dangerous and people's lives are going to be lost. One of those two, and if you deny that, if you deny that the vaccine that's killing everybody who takes it is perfectly safe, you're an anti-vaxxer. Okay, here's a story I like. This is from The Hill. Paul, Trump's law and order message falls flat in the suburbs. Those are the place he's supposedly going to save. And that Joe Biden is going to destroy somehow. He's going to pass the anti-suburb act. Most don't know that. President Trump's law and order message is not sticking with suburban voters, according to a poll released Wednesday, as both he and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden strive to make inroads in voting blocks less than two months before the November election. A Reuters poll conducted September 15th through 11th found that only 11% of suburban white voters said the most important factor driving their support is a candidate being tough on crime and civil unrest. But how could that be? We're more divided than ever, I thought. And we need a tough on crime uniter who constantly hovers around 40% approval ratings. Yeah, you, you see my issue with the whole tough on crime, law and order thing. Because in truth, this was really just the logical end result of sitting here and screaming, we're more divided than ever for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. The entire point of Republicans screaming that we're divided was so that they could implement martial law. I'm sorry, it was. Or maybe not martial law, but at the very least authoritarian structures, because they implicitly have that memo that unity is by default good. Well, no, unity is not by default good. If you're unified around support for Juche in North Korea, that is bad. If you are unified around the belief that AIDS is man-made, that is bad. If you are unified around, I don't know, belief the Venus Project will work, that is bad. That is all bad, objectively. The president has reportedly sought this year to highlight civil unrest in the predominantly Democratic cities following several police shootings and subsequent protests. And the average American kind of realizes, because this country was built out of a protest. It was. It was built out of a gigantic protest that some would even call a riot. Uh, the shot heard around the world wasn't called that because it happened in a bar. 
Okay, so the American public is naturally more resistant to this kind of law and order messaging than a lot of groups. A lot of them. Now, it can work. However, for it to work, it has to be a full-on war zone, and even that's apparently not working. Because these aren't happening in suburban areas. They aren't. They are happening in urban areas. And in urban areas, the attitude is, well, why are they happening? How do we stop them from happening? The urban areas are actually dealing with the underlying problem. Meanwhile, suburban voters are just looking at it. They're looking at things go down. And they're realizing the police aren't here to help me specifically. New York City police departments are never going to help me. Yeah, they could be very corrupt. You know what? That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Or for that matter, they just realize there are bigger issues in the world right now than just, I don't know, a, a criminal who wanted a TV taking the TV. Oh my god, burglary is occurring. Oh man, but you know what? It's happening according to the burglar. Burglars are known for their honesty. Uh, <laughs> because of the death of George, uh, this uh, George Flood guy, who he had never actually heard of until about 10 minutes ago, therefore, therefore, it is actually the fault of Democrats because they have the audacity, the audacity, to tell the American public that George Floyd died. Or other such forms of nonsense. Let's read a little bit more. Meanwhile, 27% of suburban white voters said a candidate's plan to tackle the coronavirus pandemic was the most important factor in winning their support, followed by 25% who said they wanted someone who would restore trust in the American government. So Trump is literally running on a platform that appeals to almost nobody. He is. He really is. You read the numbers. 52% of Americans said their biggest concerns were things he's objectively failed at. That is absolutely Amazing to me. I, I, I really mean amazing. Amazing. I, I'm being dead serious, guys. So what we have here, what we have here is the president, what they are realizing is going on. Is law and order is being used as a bludgeon. It's being used as an excuse to just not do anything. And by the way, if Trump really cared about law and order, he would put down these riots in half a second. Uh, but that's a different topic entirely. Here's what I find interesting. So the entire appeal, according to people like uh, Ryan Grundusky and Ann Coulter and uh, James Kirkpatrick and Tucker Carlson of Donald Trump on the right and on the left, it's people like uh, Kyle Kalinske and to some extent Michael Moore has also gone down this route. And I think Ryan Grimm has as well. Um is that he appeals to white working-class Americans. Well, the issues he's focusing on are not the issues white working-class Americans care about. You really think some guy making 80 grand a year in, I don't know, uh, Michigan cares one way or the other if there are protests going on in New York City? As far as he's concerned, New York City is always like that. That, that is New York City to him. It's just riot after riot after riot. And even after things like Chaz, or Chop, I forget which one. I, th I know later on it became one of those two. I, I think it started off as Chaz and then later became Chop. Um, but even after things like Chop, and even after 
uh, these riots, where they tried desperately to make Kyle Rittenhouse a martyr who didn't die, who drove a hundred miles just to defend himself. Very odd of him to do that. He drove a hundred miles into a riot purely for the purposes of defending himself. They've just failed. People look at Rittenhouse, they see a murderer. They don't see a kid doing something stupid, they see a murderer. They say if that man cared about law and order, he'd be executed. Rittenhouse would be executed like all the other murderers. That's how they view him. That is. That is that's objectively how they're seen to the American public. So this is absolutely great. Donald Trump is running on a campaign nobody likes, and now he has a seven-point uh, dip in the polls. For the record, a, in 2008, Obama had a seven-point lead over McCain, the popular vote. Yeah. Now think about that for half a second. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the last story for tonight, just to show how much the average American knows about history. This is from the New York Post today. Nearly 20% of millennials, Gen Z in New York, believe Jews caused the Holocaust survey. God, God bless uh, Andrew Como and George Fakai and Mario Como and, and all those great men. Great men who made sure we all knew the truth. Um, nearly 20% of millennials and Gen Z in New York believe Jews caused the Holocaust, according to a new survey released Wednesday. The finding comes from the first ever 50-state survey on the Holocaust Knowledge of American Millennials and Gen Z, which was commissioned by the Confederacy, or sorry, the Conference, not Confederacy, on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany. What kind of name is that, by the way? That's just, that's just the, I, mean, I know what they're referencing, but that's just kind of an old, outdated name. For instance, although there were more than 40,000 camps and ghettos during World War II, 58% of responders in New York cannot name a single one. I mean, okay, that one, that one, I kind of understand. Like, obviously there were big ones. The only one I can really name is Auschwitz, truth be told. But, like, you don't need to know the specific names of the death camps. The issue was that there were death camps, not what their names were. That's just pointless. Additionally, 60% of respondents in New York do not know that 6 million Jews were killed during the Holocaust. I should note, I know that that number has become a little bit of a meme because the exact estimates weren't exactly 6 million, they were 5.8 million. Or they were an average between that and a higher estimate of about 6.2, 6.3 million. But still, it was roughly 6 million. Okay, we're not going to literally count everybody. Hitler did not have a room in his in the Nazi headquarters keeping meticulous count of every Jew killed. I'll, I'll admit that. Additionally, 60% of reporters in New York do not know that 6 million Jews were killed during the Holocaust. That one is just sad. That one's just kind of sad. I actually want to know like what they thought happened instead. If they just didn't know the number, which is understandable. Hey, it's understandable. It was a massive genocide. You don't really need to know the exact numbers. Or they just didn't know what happened or any of that. I actually am curious. I want to see. I want to see what these people think happened. It's especially sad when it's reporters. Because, like, those are the people who you expect to have the greatest grasp on both modern and um, before events. Now, mind you, the start of contemporary history is typically considered to be after World War II. However, World War II so shaped 
in temporary history that you have to have at least some understanding of it in order to know what's happening now. So let's believe, uh... <laughs> giving these people too much credit they were ignorant. I scrolled down a little. I don't tend to read these articles beforehand. I, I, I don't. Uh, this is my new favorite statistic. A total of 34% of respondents in New York, that's one in three people, believe the Holocaust happened. Well, that's good. That's good. But that the number of Jews who died has been greatly exaggerated or believe the Holocaust is a myth I, I, oh, so that's just the total number of denialists or people who believe. And mind you, believing the numbers were exactly exaggerated. Okay, that is a fair point. Maybe it was about five-ish million. That's possible. That is genuinely possible. There were 12 million Jews at the start of the 20th century. Supposedly, about four or five million of them were killed in a World War One-related genocide that was also referred to as a Holocaust. Another five, six million were killed about twenty years later. And Holocaust deniers love to use that. Oh my God! Another genocide was previously called a Holocaust. Yeah, genocides have been called a Holocaust at least since Winston Churchill called the Armenian Genocide one. And as long as there are more than the allotted number of Jews, yeah, that can happen multiple times. Uh, so a third of people, not all of them are downright David Irving Holocaust denialists, but a lot of them just don't know what happened. They genuinely don't. There's just so much information. This is how history gets muddied, by the way. This is the start of the muddying of the waters. That actually leads to genuine abuse of power. Genuine genocides. Because that's actually one of the ways Hitler rose to power, was by muddying history. Was by looking around and saying, it's the Jews that caused all these problems. Of course, the biggest issue with Germany regarding its financial situation wasn't the Jews, it wasn't also, they blamed it on the gays and the Trinses. Remind you of any group? And some of them are very proud of that, by the way. Some of them literally brag. You can find this on right-wing Twitter sometimes. This is like far, far right Twitter. Um, like, you're at the open anti-Semite people. They're like, yeah, you know what? This led to Hitler's rise to power. Wasn't that awesome? Let's do that again. Some of them will actively say that. Uh, when in actuality, the whole reason why Germany was in such bad shape was because the Kaiser had greatly screwed up in World War I, but they couldn't admit that because they were nationalists. And if you're a nationalist, you believe your nation is perfect. Because nationalism is a death cult. But, okay, 34% just don't know what happened, the numbers have been exaggerated, uh, or others. 28% in New York believe it is acceptable to hold neo-Nazi views. So wait, where did the 6% go? <laughs> where did the 6%? Well, I don't quite know what a Nazi was, but I hear they were really bad. No, it's not acceptable to all those views. I want to see a Facebook group now. Holocaust deniers against neo-Nazis. And, like, their major thing is the economic policies of the Third Reich or something like that. Whoever creates that will win the internet, as far as I'm concerned. 
Uh, while 62% have never visited the Holocaust Museum in the United States. Okay, that one you don't really need to do. At least 65% of respondents in New York believe Holocaust education should be compulsory in schools. Wait. The numbers are like almost 100% there between the people who believe it was exaggerated or don't believe it at all and the people who believe education should be necessary. And 79% say it is important to keep teaching the Holocaust. Well, you know what? You know what? I don't know what percent of those 79 were in the people who just didn't know who were ignorant on this or that aspect of it. But I actually am very, very proud of them. I am. I am. It takes a lot of guts to say to a pollster, I don't know something, but I should. And that's what they're doing in my mind. They're saying, I don't know this detail about the Holocaust. And that's a failure of the education system. I should know that. I should be. A, I should know that. And yet I don't. I remember John Oliver did this bit a while ago when he was talking about um, this video of a black guy just learning about Tulsa, uh, which was also called Black Wall Street, but that's a different topic. Um, and he said something, and yeah, I watch John Oliver sometimes, sue me. <laughs> and he said something like, the dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. And yet, if somebody just told you about them now, you'd be surprised you went this long without hearing that. The Holocaust happened 80 years ago. World War II is not even a century old. We are not even a century out of Hitler rising to power. We're not even a century out of him going to prison or of Mein Kampf being released. And yet, so much of it has already fallen down the memory hole. And that's ignoring the things that I don't even know I don't know. That we just don't know we don't know. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for the people in this survey who directly said, I don't know this aspect of world history, and you know what? I should. I wish I did. And it is the fault of our current education system for not properly teaching me it. That's our show. Good night.